We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the Bureau of Citizen Detectives, the officially unofficial podcast for Yellow Jackets on Showtime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back with another feedback episode. This time it's for Season 2, Episode 7, titled Burial. Aaron, uh, is there enough feedback in that bag to feed all of the goats on our compound? I think there's enough garbage in this here sack. <laughs> oh, no. That uh, the rusty tin cans, the bat mats... Uh, bath mats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so maybe some no, barbed I think we, wire. I think we got it. I think it's more full than the Sunshine Honey Wellness Community's voicemail box, which we'll be talking about on oh, this episode. Teaser. Uh, before I get to the feedback, which of course you can you can get in this party by sending yellow jackets at baldmove.com. Uh, this, I, I just want to take this opportunity to say that like I think it's remarkable the following the show has online. Mm-hmm. I was doing um. Like way above its weight punching. This has got a, a Reddit community of like 100,000 people and it's got a 0.2 share on Showtime, which is decent for Showtime. Hmm. Like that implies that one out of every two watchers of Yellow Jackets is on Reddit talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I would believe it. It's, it's one of those shows, right? The the puzzle yeah. box. It's a very engaging show. Yeah. No, it's 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 great. Um so uh, before we get to uh, more into the feedback, I also I, I couldn't get enough of Yellow Jackets this week. Kelly from the Antler Queen podcast asked if I would uh, her regular co-host was away and she asked if I could uh, fill in for them. And I was happy to do so. If you want to hear my expanded thoughts on this week's episode, Burial, check out the Antler Queen. Oh, I'm sorry, the Antler Queens podcast dot com. Talk a bunch of different stuff. The Antler Queen theories, what we thought of the episode. Um, I feel like I I I, I did a couple. Uh, I, I kind of fully laid out my how I see the Antler Queen stuff working. So uh, check it out over there. The Antler Queens podcast dot com. All right. Yellow Jackets of BaldMove.com. Abby's up first. She says, I want to respond to a point brought up in a feedback show for episode six. Quee. An argument was presented that the pregnancy was ultimately unnecessary to the story, but I think of how much it sets off. Jackie asks about the father. Shauna lies poorly. Jackie gets suspicious and reads Shauna's journal, thus finding out about her and Jeff. The subsequent confrontation leads to Jackie sleeping outside and freezing to death. Jackie could have eventually died anyway, but this way Shauna feels responsible. And a different death would have involved a quick burial or a corpse being far away. No Shauna descending into corpse befriending madness or ear nibbling. No need for pyre. No, she wants us to set up for the foray into cannibalism. The stillbirth is also cut with Shauna's present day monologue saying that her guilt, whether about Jackie, the baby or both, led to her marrying Jeff and having a baby she didn't want and holding them both at arm's length. It explains her whole adult self, basically. Hearing Shauna say this also makes Callie seem a little less shitty since before it seemed like Shauna was always trying to connect with her and getting rejected. The day of the stillbirth is when we first see Lottie's magic fail in a major way. We see Coach Ben officially give up on everything and we see different team members step up or break down. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, I'm on Abby's side here. I think the pregnancy 
was not tacked on um and was very you know like it, it wasn't just a nothing burger you know it did it did drive a lot of the plot developments the this in this season oh yeah and last no i i that's the thing I, i'm inclined to say yes of course you're right um it did drive a lot of events around it uh the thing i'm guess i'm dissatisfied with is its conclusion uh i felt like it's fairly anticlimactic for all the build-up you know all the things it did all the things that changed and suddenly it, i don't know like i said last week i think it just they took the easy way out we don't want to huh. deal with having to eat this baby we don't want to deal with having to take care of this baby we don't want it to die horribly in the woods let's just kill it and i wonder done. if there's a way we could test for the hypothesis because i think you're secretly on team ghost and goblins and I'm still. Oh, on I don't team know that it's all that much of a secret. And radar guns. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So like, I, I, I want because like I wasn't expecting something like really crazy to happen. Um, you know, maybe crockpot theory, all that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> it remains to be seen. Like you know, uh, the mere fact of Shauna's pregnancy, as Abby lays out, was such a seismic thing to the show. And, you know, you had this entire season, practically Lottie saying the baby's going to change everything. The baby's going to change everything. I think mm-hmm. in retrospect, we'll be seeing like, OK, well, maybe they dispose of the baby in the most boring way possible. And and I just also want to point out it's out there frozen somewhere. It's out there frozen in a marked grave. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Probably geothermal by vent, now, I assume. And in a rock line geothermal vent that it's it's yeah, there, there's the, the wilderness is sous vide it out there. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, I, I think when we look back, it's going to be like a, just just a huge night and day difference between how the girls were uh, pre. It's like going to be like Doom coming. Like it's a major epoch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Epic. I think you're right. And certainly for Shauna, it is that. Yeah. Um, Max says, my sister-in-law pointed out to me and I had to go back and rewatch at the start of the dream sequence when Shauna wakes up to find her happy baby and smiling teammates. It's Jackie voice who says, Shauna, Shauna. There should have been a clue that those scenes weren't real. I think we should be hmm. cautious of the nature of our reality anytime we see or hear Jackie moving forward. That's the thing. Like, obviously, if I saw Jackie, I'd be like, well, this ain't real. Yeah. Um, but I'm I get I got a bad ear for girl voices, I guess. Um, well, there are like 25 of them on the show. So <laughs> you're yeah. bound to have some overlap. Yeah. And I, I haven't I haven't gotten a handle on and you get two versions of them, too. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And hell, I haven't heard Jackie for like three episodes. So, yeah, I, I didn't get that. But like that's uh, yeah, obviously that is uh, uh, another big clue to the in in unreality that we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philly Nick is up next and says when Coach Ben taps out of the bloody birth scene, we flash back to him and his buddies playing Trivial Pursuit in the cabin. During that screen, there are antlers on the wall and Coach Ben walks in front of them just a short while. Anyway. Uh, I just want to give credit uh, to Philly Nick for getting this last week. He sent this in just over the wire. Um, but yeah, uh, Coach Ben is on week two of sporting them their horns. Right. Uh, he says, I hope they pay this off well, or I'm going to be bitching and moaning at the end of the show. Um, he says, finally, when Sean is trying to give birth and Lottie has to give Misty back or get Misty back in there to help deliver. Uh, she used to quote, you save our baby. Very curious this line. Does she mean the group's baby or does she mean the forest baby? Um, a couple other people sent in feedback saying that, like, it's curious that Lottie was using the royal we there. Mm-hmm. 
And I've noticed her doing that a lot too, saying we, we, we. Um, and sometimes it makes sense because like when she's like, give us a minute. I at first thought she was talking to the wilderness and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm actually going to bring this up on the podcast. But then they pan over and Ty is standing there. So I mm, think, yeah. you know, she's like, I just need a minute to talk to Ty. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely. You don't have to do much to talk me into Lottie <laughs> misidentifying with or identifying with the, the wilderness as one. For sure. Yeah, well, we'll see how that develops, but I think there's an obvious connection there. Yeah. Pass the shrooms. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, the boys are back in town. Just in time to heat up summer, our favorite blood-soaked, darkly humorous deconstruction of the superhero mythos returns on Amazon Prime Video. Boys Season 4 gets started on June 13th, but we'll get the drop on them with our preseason preview coverage the week before. It's been a while. Lots happened since last season. Two whole years, labor dispute, that kind of thing. But we'll be catching you up on all the major plot points and character beats as we left things off. Plus, we'll be looking at the trailers and latest news to piece together what to expect. I know one thing to expect. Right off the bat, they're dropping three debut episodes for the premiere. Woo! But otherwise, who knows? Will Gus Fring reveal why he has absolutely no fear of Homelander? And while we're on that topic, will Butcher and the boys figure out a way to stop Christian nationalist Superman? Will those crazy kids, Monster Man and Starlight, find a way to make things work? Come laugh, cry, and maybe even throw up in your mouth a little with us as we discover the answers for ourselves this season of The Boys. Find it by searching for the Department of Homelander Security wherever you listen to podcasts, or subscribe to Ball Move Pulp to get all our coverage of sci-fi, fantasy, and superheroic entertainment. All hail the Antler Queen. We're back with more Yellow Jackets. Thomas says, what do you guys think about the possibility that Walter tipped off the cops as to the location of the body? He has to at least medium suspect Misty of Adam's murder, and this would be his revenge of her spurning him. Did we talk about this on the podcast? We did not. This is a good okay. theory. It's a great theory. It came up on the podcast with Kelly, and I'm I, I and that's the thing is I could remember whether... I had read it on Reddit or talked about it on the podcast or which podcast I talked about it. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent theory, right? Oh, yeah. It makes the most sense of, of anything. Because I think he thinks Misty killed Adam. So he's mm-hmm. like turning the cops on her. He does. He, he said as much, right? That, you know, he, he's laying out the scenario and he says, you killed him. Is it possible they're looking for a way to write Christina Ricci out of the show or or really minimize her role, like send her away to prison? Because if the cops pull the right threads, it's probably going to lead more to Misty than Shauna. Uh, uh, hmm, uh, The the affair is is a pretty solid connection, at least. Uh, I I don't know. I, I really hope you're wrong about that. 
because I do too. I desperately want Christina Ricci to stay in this show. But she's a big name, and if she had another project coming up, or maybe she just wanted to, like, hey, you know, two seat, but like, I need to take a back seat for it. It'd be a way to fridge her for a while. Yeah, she's she's still on the show. She's gonna do the next season of Wednesday or something. (laughs) I don't. She's gonna take over (laughs) next Wednesday or previous Wednesday. It'd be called previous Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last last Wednesday. No, Um, she can't do anything else. She has to stay on this show. The fans have spoken. Well, I I agree with that sentiment. Um, but now that's uh, that's a good one there, Thomas. Uh, I would say that is a strong possibility, which is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we'll have a cold open of like Walter ba- putting this po- slipping this poison dagger in, like he and he calls the cops or he you know emails from an anonymous uh, seven layered proxy email server or whatever. And as soon as he gets done, he's like gleeful, and then he gets the phone call. He gets the, mm-hmm. the message from from Misty, which I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what drives him to drop the dime. <laughs> maybe. Oh, no, I've got a psycho stalking me. Yeah. Uh, psycho by my fucked up standards, even. Uh-huh, uh huh. I, I can see him like getting her into this situation and then offering an olive branch by saying, hey, I can get you out of it. I can I can help throw the cops off your trail if you want. Does Misty but... respect that play? Maybe, maybe she's pretty fucked up. And I keep going back to Moriarty. Like mm-hmm. what if this mm-hmm. whole thing is like he's trying to get her to love him just to what does a way to fuck with her. It's possible. Boy, that would be a real rug pull for Misty because she's <laughs> that's what she does to people. Uh huh. That's what I love about their relationship is she, he's yeah. turning the tables on her. Uh, Meredith says, I'm sorry, I just hate the idea that the pit girl sequence in the pilot might not have been real. I can't imagine a bigger cop out, and if the show goes that route, I would feel betrayed. These scenes are not presented as the memories of one character or any kind of fantasy sequence. They were presented from a third-person omniscient POV using the cinematic language that communicated what we were seeing was reality. Aha. Everything we have been watching has been built on that knowledge of how bad things get, and if the show revealed it had been lying to us the entire time, it would be retroactively ruined. They could reveal all the characters that actually are actually time traveling vampires. And I would hate it less. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think you're right. But but I got to say, like, we've seen other fantasy sequences from third person omniscient POVs, such as the cannibal orgy Bacchanalian scene. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was no VHS stutters. There were no crazy audio visual phenomenon other than this, this thing being presented as fact. And it wasn't from anyone's view. So like. And, and the thing is, is I'm I, I uh, this burnt me before Meredith. Like I try not to take too strong of a stance like, well, this show does this. Then I'm going to be fucking out mm-hmm. because you just never know that my the show might have an extra slick way of doing it. Um, like this could be their way of teaching us that not everything was reliable before. And if they replace the reality, we know with something even more interesting or cool. Now, what are the odds of that? I don't know. Like I, it's, 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 it's it's a high risk, high risk maneuver. I mean, I'm absolutely with you. I think you should read into the language of the cinema that they're using. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's important that communication with the audience they can twist it and they can use that against you sometimes as an audience exactly. member 
and 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 that's I yeah I think what you're talking about with the extra slick way of doing something. Uh, but I'm definitely looking for that stuff, and it's why I'm leaning much more toward the supernatural because I, I I talked about this a few episodes ago, but that POV has been I think an important indicator. Uh, Zach says cast members in recent interviews have been careful to remind the audience that this whole antler queen business is an audience invention. Yes, there are shots of what seemed to be a yellow jacket teammate dressed in ceremonial garb with an antler head piece that shows up in both timelines. That's not what's up for debate. But the idea that there is one antler queen or that role even exists at all is something the audience interpreted. The show was not using mm-hmm. the, has not used the term antler queen, nor has it leaned into the idea that it's actually one of them girls and not exclusively in their imaginations. All right. Before because he's going to propose an alternate interpretation. Um, while the show has not referred to this person as the antler queen, I think the antler imagery combined with the queen imagery and and multifaceted like there's antlers all over the fucking place mm-hmm. there's queens there's bee queens there's mm-hmm. red queens and black queens and queens with their eyes scratched out like i think it would be like the quote meredith like it would be it would be some some high heretical bullshit to try to act like yeah, you, know, uh, you know antler what's a queen what's an antler i don't even know like that i, I don't know <laughs> yeah. i don't know um but that would be uh, not be arguing in good faith i would say yeah let's get into the alternate interpretation i don't think the antler queen is one of the girls or multiple i think the figure draped in cloth that the girls see the same one adult nat and lottie see in their visions represents the forest entity whether it's real or supernatural or a figment of their psychosis and trauma is secondary to the idea that it was never meant to be any of the girls. We do see flashes of one of the girls clearly dressed as what we've been calling the antler queen walking around the forest and flash forward um, to parts later parts of the 1996 timeline. I think we're seeing them dress like the entity they see in their visions to embody and personify the spirit. Um, perhaps to dress as it does to allow their body to make a good host for the entity who will then pilot the body or perhaps just emulate it ceremonially in the same way that priests and other religious high figures have their own ceremonial garb. Either way, I think the antler queen is a symbolic role, not a literal one. And we're due to learn that there is an antler queen. It's not one of them. It's in all of them. Your thoughts. I mean, it's possible. Sure. Like I said, um, about that opening scene, with the girl being chased into the pit, we interpret it a certain way because of what we've seen, but it's not necessarily the way that it was intended. Um, that that scene in particular could have been, you know, they could have been chasing this girl, quote unquote, for her own good, right? Like to yeah. protect her from the wilderness or something. And she was being influenced by it and ran into the pit. Like the antler queen could also be, a similar thing where we just don't quite understand it yet. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the girls might latch onto it as some kind of life giving entity and want to emulate it. Who knows? But we've definitely seen some dark stuff happening around the antler queen too. Like the cannibalism stuff has all happened around that. I don't think that's something that most humans would label as uh, innocuous, I guess, or, you know, completely benign. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of, I mean, I, last week I would have said you're crazy. Zero percent chance. No way. This week where you actually had Lottie talking to 
what we know, there's no way there was a yellow jacket there. Just a figment of her imagination that presents mm-hmm. as the quote unquote antler queen. I think there's like a 10, 15 percent chance. But I don't know. I, I like my theory and I go on. I elaborate on this on Kelly's podcast, but it's and I've I've stated it here and there on this one but the idea that mari with the 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 whole divvying up chores and unpleasant tasks with the use of her deck Mm -hmm. they're going to take that tradition into the antler queen process and the antler queen is going to be more of a council and the different roles like and i don't know what those roles are there might be the head of the hunt the butcher the baker the candlestick maker whatever those are going to be divvied mm-hmm. up and the girls are going to, you know, much in the same way that like uh, when when they have an executioner squad, you know, they always give a couple of fake bullets and blank rounds. So everyone has plausible deniability that they're the ones that are responsible for for shooting the condemned. I think they use this kind of random fate to see who's being hunted and who's doing the hunting to divorce themselves from the blood guilt. Yeah, um, that makes sense now. Yeah. And now whether it that's just a psychological mechanism that they use to to deal with the situation they're put in or if that's like capital I it, you know, the wilderness, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. But I, I think that's what 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 we're going to be getting up to. That's my theory. Um, Meredith also says, hey, guys, just want to let you know the phone number Lottie gives the Yellow Jackets to call their people before they hand their phones over is real and it's worth giving a call. It's 607-478-1033. You should also try texting it. Uh, I, I'm i usually the guy that notices when they don't do the 555, but for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I don't know whether I just caught up in the story, but like obviously I saw that phone number and I just didn't even think. And Kelly told me about it. So I went ahead and texted it and uh, you end up getting a contact card that gives you a phone number, which I think is the same phone number. And you call and it's a it's, you know, starts off as like Lottie giving a fairly standard greeting message for a place like this. But then there's like audio distortion and like some sinister sounds. And then like the stuff kind of gets clipped into I don't know. Like I said, it's 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 just some freaky 30 second long message. Um, mm-hmm. I always appreciate when shows do that. I think it's cool. And I also wonder if it's going to lead anywhere. Like, am I going to get a text on Friday night when it premieres or Sunday night when it premieres? Are they going to continue to give little breadcrumbs out this way? Because we're gonna get like you pointed it's out to possible. me when I when I when we we called and listened to this together, and it's like, well, what are they doing with this? There's only two weeks left, you know, in the season. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe they'll carry it over to next season as well. Maybe this is, uh, maybe this was just an opportune narrative time to start this, and yeah. it's gonna carry through the rest of it. One of the things it also did is took me to a page where I uh, um, signed up for a community.com community that's like the yellow ja- uh, the honey yellow jacket wellness center. I can't can't remember healing honey. I can't remember what it's called. But um, yeah, I, I wonder and I put my email address in that one. I wonder if they're going to do some contacting and whatnot. But oh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of the times when you get signed up for these sorts of things, they it depends on how exclusive they are, but they will send you actual things sometimes, or they'll have Dude. drawings and whatnot. Guess what? Kelly's plugged into all the official shit. I think she gets screeners, but they have mm-hmm. been. Yeah, every week they send um, 
like a little piece of art that is like a pencil drawing of three objects with like the words of the title. Like this was burial and it had um, I think it was nice. a picture of a goat <laughs> okay. and uh-huh. uh, God what was something else. And then a picture of a ring. Um, so they're right. kind of like little mystery clues kind of, but, but it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's neat. I, I, we've never gotten that kind of stuff because all the, the studios hate us apparently. <laughs> but, the, one, uh, the, the one last week, the one before this have like a fake used condom as part of the drawings. <laughs> like the, I need to ask, Randy's I ought to condom. ask Kelly if she'll send me a picture of all the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the artwork they've sent thus far in their care packages. But, um, uh alex in san diego says i think coach ben's visions are telling him he needs to stop hiding except his position as the adult this final vision is meant to tell him that he wasn't ready for this isn't ready for this and needs to step up and be ready for this that's why he didn't jump he saw misty losing it and i think it hit him that he's an adult that needs to do something my prediction once he sees lottie in the aftermath of shauna going ham I think he whips out the makeshift map and searches for a way to get them out of there. Also, Crystal Truthers Unite, there was no body. Oh, d- damn it, Alex. Damn it, Alex. I want to <laughs> be on my knees like Sam the Frodo. Don't, don't go where I can't follow, okay? Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think of um, Coach Ben? About, he needs just this man up. He needs to, to be the adult in the room. Yeah, I think he needs to watch Space Jam, get pumped up with y'all ready for this, All right. and and then yeah, be the adult. No, I I don't know. I don't think this is telling him that. I feel like this is the th- this is the wilderness trying to get him out of the way because he mm. is the responsible. <laughs> he could be the responsible one. He's the guy who won't give in and eat the cannibal meat. Uh. Yeah, I, I think he's the odd man out here. And the yeah. wilderness wants to deal with him. Does that make, does that for reframe Misty as kind of a de facto enemy of the wilderness too, since it's thwarted its will? Uh, maybe. Or is he just one of them uh, chaotic neutral alignments? <laughs> yeah, she hasn't engaged much with that. I don't feel like she's been at all influenced by the wilderness. Huh. She's really, I mean, unless you count a conversation this week with Lottie or last week with Lottie to snap her out of her funk and help deal with Shauna's baby. But like, does she, is she down with the Lottie bullshit? Is she in that prayer group? I don't, that prayer I don't circle? think so. No, I think her and Crystal were, were just out there kind of doing their own thing. Hanging yeah. Out. Yeah. I wonder when she, cause like obviously by the uh, season one premiere, the pilot episode she does get into it pretty with with some glee and gusto uh, but but i guess yeah. like if the she, misty is above all else a survivor so if the options mm-hmm. were be on the menu or be the one making the menu i'm sure mm-hmm. she'd choose the the making the menu for sure yeah John from Seattle says, I've been trying to pin down the potential meaning of these videotape distortion effects we get in some scenes when we transition to some vision or alternate dimension or whatever. I've gone back and checked and they were never used in season one. They start in season two and there's been at least one in every episode this season. They've been used with Lottie, Ben, Nat, and Ty. Ben is the only one they're used on in the 1997 timeline. 
The rest are all post-rescue, Lottie, or as adults, Ty, hmm. Nat, and Lottie. Ben is seeing a fantasy world or an alternate reality, but the background in the reality has been slowly morphing into the cabin over each subsequent experience. Immediately after Paul leaves in the last one, Ben gets a look of clarity and appears to decide to kill himself. Ty only has them when uh, she's watching herself as dark. Ty rummaged through Jessica Roberts' apartment looking for information on Ben. Uh, not in any other scene where we've seen dark Ty. Nats are entirely centered on her OD experience with the realization and that experience that they had brought something back from the wilderness. Lottie gets them once with shock therapy and once when she sees Laura Lee the night Travis was hung. And then when she realizes her therapist isn't real and sees the antler queen, hmm. they don't show us these VHS discoloration static distortion effects for any part of the Shauna's imaginary time with the baby. We don't see them when Lottie is freezing. No, not even when they're cutting back and forth of the baby being eaten. I thought that not they were that doing some kind of stutter effect for that, but maybe not. I mean, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, John from Seattle here at his at his word. If you can trust a Seattleite, uh, <laughs> we don't see them when Lottie is freezing in the snow and has her vision of going into the plane and then down the hole in the mall. We don't see them when Jackie has her death dream. It's not just about visiting some other place, and it's not the showrunners using visual language to tell us this is a vision because it's not all visions. It's also not marking when a character dies. They use it most with Ben and Paul, but then Lottie has the most occurrences across the largest age gaps. It's not specific to the wilderness time period either. I was thinking death because Nat was near death with her OD and Ben is about to kill himself, but that doesn't fit Lottie or Ty, though Lottie does see Larry, Laura Lee who died in that one. Uh, Dark Ty is also coaxing Ty to go see Van who's dying of cancer. Uh, there's also a de death connection, but it feels pretty weak. What do you think? Because I, I, when I was reading this and there's, he went through and broke down every scene, I really couldn't find anything to hang my hat on. Because as he does a really good job here, it does seem like the defy timelines, states of mind, death, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I admire the scientific rigor of it. Um <laughs> It must be that we just don't have the proper context for it yet, right? Yeah. If there's no obvious connection, it means, well, or the there trying is to get no on the connection. First step. They're on they're the first literally step of the... just using it to use it. They're like, oh, this is cool stylistically. Let's throw a VHS filter in this scene. Yeah, we got a we got a new video editor, and they got uh -huh. a new uh after effects plug in and we can do some and oh van's doing a v8 uh, doing a vhs store this season mm -hmm. that's 90s that's 90 as fuck to have a vhs tracking uh static buzz to, to give uh, yeah maybe maybe the style possible nobody asked what does this mean but i doubt it i think we just don't have the context for it yet i think I think you're right. I think that this is going to be something like Westworld season two's aspect ratio, where in retrospect, sure. we'll be like, ah, every time we saw this jitter, it meant a particular like wilderness inter interference, like the act of the wilderness. If it if we want to go down the supernatural path. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I hate to tell you guys, I just, I just don't I don't think anyone's got it. I've seen a lot of wild theories with a lot of um, assertions and not much evidence to back them up, but how Stuff about that really makes all of this is just a collection of Vans home videos that we're watching. 
she is in 2023 with the last few months of her life going on AI <laughs> video sites and generate just just prompting, prompting, you know, uh-huh. dark tie mm-hmm. van romance. And it says some bullshit about I'm a chat program and I can't write slutty uh, lesbian erotica lady. And she I'm says, sorry. God damn she's it. Like, tell me a story pr- about. Tell yeah. me a story about <laughs> a AI program that's writing my erotica. And it's like, oh, sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's. Pretend you're my this, grandmother. Tell it. Yeah. This is the recollections of a dying woman uh, clinging to the past while AI is eating her future. Staring at a snow globe on a shelf. Yeah. True. Why she whispers Rosebud as she <laughs> dies. Um, oh, yeah. John's got a double dip here. It says, you probably got a ton of these, but the song that sets Shauna off in the cabin is that song, Quee, that they were all humming when Shauna imagined them eating the baby. It's a little hard to hear, but Misty's humming it. And so someone singing this obscure French song from her dream vision is what sets her off. Ah, Interestingly, okay. Misty claims Crystal got it in her head. I I found this because like Kelly told me this on the podcast and it kind of blew my mind um, that you could hear her humming a distinct tune when you got lightning crashes playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's impressive. But the thing is, is I wouldn't know Quee from Adam, Abel or Kane. So what I, I it, that that was a obscure pull, but this makes a lot more sense. Than Shauna misremembering lightning crashes being an abortion anthem or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, interestingly, Misty claims a crystal got in her head. God damn it, Alex in San Diego. If I, there's no way, there's no way Crystal's an imaginary friend. Because <laughs> if she was and she was the wilderness manifesting as a way to drive Misty further insane, it'd make a lot of sense. But I just think there's too many times where people addressed them as a group, you know, mm-hmm. and and divvied out chores to them. And and uh, yeah, I mean, at the very least, I remember Mari interacting with her with the cards. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Garrett says you were trying to find a deeper meaning meaning of Ben's hallucinations of Paul in your last episode. I definitely think there's some supernatural forces at work in the show, but the arc is completely explained by the natural world. I thank God I'm getting so tired as Harry Potter shit, Garrett, (laughs) you and me. Let's 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 get scientifical on this ass. Ben's behavior and experience looks exactly like the delirious patients I work with in the ICU. See, we have a doctor, Jim. Clean out your ears. Listen to some science. (laughs) Most people think of delirium as a hyperactive state where the delirious person is actively engaging with hallucinations like they're dreaming, but completely awake. Ben arguing with Paul in the cabin and then opening the door and screaming his name is a great example of this. There's another type of delirium where the affected person is hypoactive or inattentive and hard to arouse, even with their eyes open sometimes. A great example of this is when Ben is in bed and Travis asks him if he's okay. The most common type of delirium is mixed delirium. You'll never guess Does what both. mixed delirium is. It's true. The person cycles back and forth between the two, which appears to be what, what Coach Scott is going through. Mm-hmm. Aside from the inattentive versus hyperactive states, patients also can wax and wane. They can be raving at shit that isn't there one hour and the next hour be completely oriented and having a normal conversation with you. Now, 
I usually see this in old people with raging infections, respiratory failures, other types of life-threatening badness. However, I have heard that severe depression can cause hallucination, and I'm sure Ben's malnutrition isn't helping him out at all. If the arc here is centered on delirium, it stands to reason there will be a plot consequence of something uh, for something that Ben does in his altered state. People do really crazy shit when going through the hyperactive parts of delirium. It's not uncommon for delirious old men to rip their urinary catheters out, pulling a balloon the size of a quarter through their urethra and no causing thanks. a bloody, bloody painful mess. My my granddad that had the Alzheimer's, he did that like three oh, times. Jesus. And I just today found out because I just assume he ripped the rubber hose out, which was bad enough that there's a fucking balloon holding that in. Oh, God. Nope. Nope. Now the coach has apparently decided to live for another, at least another day would be a little more of a gut punch to see him hurt himself badly while hallucinating or doing something even a bigger consequence, like say burning down the cabin. If you think back to the girl uh, pit girl scene, the ladies look like they've been living very rough and being out in the elements could explain that. This is fascinating. Hmm. I like the sciencey stuff. Um, I was really taken by the idea that the cabin might get destroyed in the Mm -hmm. spring and summer because that would really make winter fucking suck. Oh, yeah. It's Uh, been bad, but they've had shelter the entire time. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure how you survive a winter like they're experiencing without any form of shelter. They'd have to make new shelter. You got it. It wouldn't be as nice. No. No, you got to get plugged in. You got to get plugged into the crockpot network. You got to find where those <laughs> where those hot vents are oh, melting snow. Jesus. Under people's uh, un- under uh, under the root systems, of these trees, you got to you got to snuggle up to Javi's apparently superheated ass. Uh, you got to yeah, you got to get in the steam. Warm. You got to get in the steam pipe tunnels that everybody's talking about. Uh-huh, the uh-huh. underground mine tunnels that Mari's here in the water drip in. There you go. Got a couple of people submitted that again. We we talked about that theory a couple of weeks ago. The idea that these visions that of these tunnels that um, Lottie has occasionally are a mind shed. But like I, if you actually go back and watch those fucking visions, <laughs> yeah, those are not mine shafts. Those are like utility tunnels. They're cinder block walls with like conduit and mm-hmm. lighting and circuit breakers and like it's it is not a mine guys there now might be a mine shaft underneath this cabin that would make a lot of sense but that's not what we're seeing in lottie's vision yeah, yeah. i'm guessing that is i'm guessing that says something in the school that looks like the kind of like maintenance shaft you would see in a, a school boiler room or something and that <laughs> at some point the girls set up an altar there i don't know it reminds me of uh, Cape Fear, where Juliette Lewis, of all people, goes down into the basement of her school, and it's like leaky pipes and cinder block walls. And that's exactly yes, that's flickering exactly flickering lights. And then she mm-hmm. walks into this gorgeous auditorium that's apparently three stories tall and underground. <laughs> so maybe they'll find something like that under there. Well, that was that was a wilderness vision. You see, it must be uh, Robert De Niro was the original antler queen uh Uh i do i i like i like the delirium obviously yeah that it would explain a lot about what's going on here i don't know about the vhs rainbow effects but um i really like the idea that something happening to the cabin 
Mm-hmm. Um, that that would that would really oof, boy. That'd be that'd be a real oof moment for the girls. And it's uh, it would up the stakes for the next winter, right? Because once yes. they survive a winter, you're like, well, they can do this, but then right. take away their shelter, right? right. Uh, Deb says, I was also lied to by the cartoons and myths of the 80s and 90s, but no, according to Modern Farmer and several other Google search results, goats cannot eat tin cans. Uh, so apparently, yeah, this is a myth. Goats can't just eat inedible garbage. Uh, can't? Won't? They can't eat shirts. Shouldn't? Right, right. And they said the, the article asserts that the goats are actually extremely picky eaters who only go after the most nutritious options available to them. What if you, they only have tin cans? Will they eat them then? So I guess what a lot of people misunderstand is like goats will go through a trash pile and they will gum and chew and like like a tin can, but they're not trying to eat the tin can. They're actually trying to get their tongues into the tin can to like soak up all the nutrients that are inside that. And they'll like eat paper that has like food particles on it and stuff because, you know, all right. But they're not actually eating the inedible stuff. They're just they're just gumming it around in their mouth. Hmm. Um, but yeah. Anyway, and I guess they're like they're like kind of like sharks where they're like mouth curious. <laughs> they explore sharks, sharks are mouth curious. <laughs> yeah, you haven't heard that the sharks explore uh-huh. the world by biting things. It's just like, hey, what's this? Is this food or a boat? <laughs> oh, I guess it's a boat. Ah, uh, you know? that's shark apologists. They're not trying to hunt you and murder you and eat you. They're just, They're just mouth, mouth curious. curious. Come on. They're just mouth curious. That's what they that's the whole theme on Shark Week this year is mouth curiosity. <laughs> the Antler Queen, not trying to eat your flesh. She's just no, mouth curious. She's mouth curious. Mouth curious. Uh <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> I was talking about that LeVar Burton reading rainbow thing that gave me nightmares i'm gonna give uh i gave that link to our producer if uh, she's kind and gracious she'll include it to the show notes if you want to uh (laughs) if you want to be horrified by levar burton uh consorting with demons Mm -hmm. in hell's cafeteria check it out melanie says i have an issue with the modern day yellow jackets opening up to lottie so quickly mostly nat and shauna Felt way too quick. A few days ago, Nat's whole plan was to blow Lottie's life up, and now she's full on committed. What? I don't like how passive she was in this episode and convincing the other Yellow Jackets to go along with the wellness idea. Just felt weird for her character. Also, Shauna, she's been holding all these secrets for 25 years, and after a few hours with a goat, she admits her deepest, darkest thoughts about motherhood to Lottie. What the fuck? Um. Mm-hmm. I think the Shauna thing fell pretty fast. Uh, the Nat stuff they've been building, I, I think they did a fairly good job with that. Um, especially, I, I think the thing that really tipped the scales for her was the the seance. I don't know what the fuck. Uh, the hypnotism scene where Lottie kind of walked her through her memories uh, with Travis. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see what Melanie's saying here, and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm sensitive to things happening way too fast sometimes on shows. Um, but I felt they really, like, whether you believe it or not, or found it persuasive, they played that moment of Nat going in and shooting her shot. Like, I've got the financial records, and she's fucking all of you, and the whole cult being like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what? And then her hitting with the the, the left-right combo of the hypnotism scene where it kind of really shook Nat and Lot Lottie. Um, and they mm-hmm. both, I kind of think, like, I think her focus has shifted from destroying Lottie to, like, they both have two pieces of one key. Okay. 
and they're trying to figure out how yeah. to put it together and unlock it. And then, you know, shit just keeps miraculously happening. Like the rest of the yellow jacket just materializing, uh, seemingly out of thin. I, it it is borderline too fast, but I do think they've mm-hmm. they've they, they they've sold it mostly through performances of this being like huge life altering experiences for these women. Yeah, I'm with you. It's borderline, but I think they're pulling it off. But the thing is, is like that's not how Nat sells it to her the girls, right? Mm-hmm. She's not like you guys. Uh. I want I, I a week ago I wanted to destroy this woman, but I had this hypnosis therapy session. It's so powerful, and we talked about traps. And all. it's all like I had a gun in my mouth, and I and she I was going to kill. It's like it's a weird it's way to sell, yeah, to these yellow jacket women. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Melody says, "P.S. Who would Misty trust enough to watch Caligula while she's gone?" Good, good question. <laughs> Ooh, it's funny. This is a banned topic on the subreddit because I guess it was being asked ev- like multiple times a day because people are just really, really curious about. They're curious about Sammy. They're curious about the mm-hmm. new dog. They're curious about uh, uh, the, 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 the Caligula. I mean, Sammy, there are procedures. There are, there are yeah, safety nets in place for kids who lose their parents. Yeah, sure. And then, there, there are yeah. grandmothers, there are social services, there's all kinds of things. Um, yeah. Parrots? Owls? I don't know what the fuck Caligula is. Not so much. It's a parrot. Yeah, I... Caligula um, might be dead. But also, like, we've never seen these people take a shit. <laughs> Their colons <laughs> must not, be so impacted. Well, they've implied shits. They've definitely implied only in shits. 19, only in 1996, I can only conclude that these women, ha, ha, as part of their rehabilitation project, had their colons removed, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the wilderness, the wilderness takes care them. of it now. Yeah, uh, It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, maybe they're like, okay, well, she would. what would you do if you had to go out of town with your pet? But I think the thing that really uh, is that, from Misty's perspective, this is supposed to be like a day trip. And suddenly she's with Walter for like multiple days and staying in Airbnb and then now checking in this wilderness. Mm-hmm. She's been gone three, four days. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't I don't know. I I because I don't know. But people really care Maybe about she just pets, set loose, like pets and kids. Set her loose in the house with like a five pound bag of birdseed open on the floor or something. Well, that's the joke in the subreddit. The like the all the top responses are um fan theories on how Caligula is like murdering people and eating them or killing other birds or like, you know, that Caligula can take care of himself. Sure. Sure. Caligula don't need no fucking Misty to provide provide <laughs> sustenance for him. Thank you very much. He's a he's he is the arch closer. <laughs> Nathan says, Shauna caused serious brain damage when she beat Lottie at the end of episode seven. She will not be the same for a very long time. We know that Lottie was barely coherent after the rescue and was taken to the clinic in Switzerland. This would explain why Misty did not continue to track her after she was taken to the clinic. It's also recontextualized the shocked reactions of each and every Yellow Jacket when they found out Lottie was in charge of the cult. It also explained Van's reaction upon seeing a once again beautiful walking, talking Lottie. And this leaves a vacancy in leadership for the 1996 group. Who better to take over the group than the Queen Bee who stung the previous queen to death, the unhinged, lip-licking, psychopathic Shauna? Um, I don't see Lottie hmm. being full-on post-concussion syndrome. That, that would be 
a rough year of yeah. flashbacks. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see it happening. I see her recovering fairly quickly, like Van did, for instance. Ex- from a from a wolf chewing, yes. And and also, like, I mean, you've ever seen the the like a fighter the day after a big MMA or boxing fight, and it looks like they've been in a car wreck, and you're like, God damn, their face is never going to be the same. And then mm-hmm. six months later, it's like you can't can't really even tell. Mm-hmm. Um, people people heal really really fast, and I know this is a vicious beating, but it looks like, I mean, if if she didn't crack her skull, um, or anything else, she will absolutely heal up. And I mean, she rightfully should have some serious damage, uh, probably long term, but definitely with the way the, the blood sprayed. Yeah, for in sure. the real world. But like, yeah. this is not the real world. So, yeah. And, and people are recovering extremely quickly without antibiotics. And I mm-hmm. mean that, you know, we've 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 had uh, field amputations. We've mm-hmm. had terrible, complicated pregnancies. Uh, we've had uh, wolves chewing on people's skulls and ripping their faces off. Um, all those things should be rife for infection, and it's just not happening. In fact, mm-hmm. people aren't even getting sick out there. It's the wilderness taking care of them. Uh, Nathan. Oh, wait, wait. This is what we just talked about. Um, Chris DiCapo. Do we think Pink Hat Girl is the same girl with the pink sneakers they're chasing in the opening scene of episode one? Is Melissa? Yes, she has a, ga- a name. Melissa, uh, yeah. is Melissa going to be the girl with the pink sneakers or chasing in the opening scene? Is she the pit girl? I honestly don't know. Like, I was definitely leaning toward Van before, you know, the creators of the show got involved and we're talking about it. Now, it's just totally up in the air for me. Well, you can't spell pit girl without the letters contained in the word pink hat girl. That's true. So there's that, but honestly, Pink Hat Girl at this point is such a non-character that they would have to devote yep. much of the next two episodes to building her up before I would feel like the pink girl, pink sneaker girl, being the pig girl is a fucking cop out. You they know, could do it. They got time. I mean, if this is gonna be a five season arc, uh, they do. Yeah, but plenty like, of time. I feel like someone has, someone important has to die in one of the timelines or it's going to really start taking us out of the show. And like, I think all the important people in the old timeline are accounted for now. Is there anyone? Uh, I mean, it depends on how you define important, but like what Javi isn't accounted for in the future time. The oh, day right. Yeah. Coach. But he's ben. not, I would yeah okay yeah so you're proving my point those are the two most important characters Mari I guess is becoming fairly another important. red shirt yep mm-hmm. Jin, you got uh, you got Jin red yeah Jin Melissa and Javi uh, and Mari those are all like the C tier characters um, yeah yeah but that's all they kind of got left I don't know maybe they are Mari's creeping into B tier I could see it being fairly big if Mari died but. <sighs> And not as big as, you know, the ones who can't die, certainly. <laughs> yeah, I because hmm. like with the Jackie situation, I think they kind of condition us to expect some big swings here. But maybe mm-hmm. they'll start pitting the uh, people start dying in 1996 or I'm sorry, uh, in the current day. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like uh, it'd be like weird if um, Game of Thrones killed Sean Bean in season one and then nobody else died until like season seven and eight, like. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's an unfair reputation to hang on the show. 
Uh, David, can we talk about how horrible these girls are? One of their teammates has just been missing since the snowstorm began. Not one of them's rushing out to find her at the beginning of this episode. You can maybe justify their lack of action as a result of the recent and very traumatic death of Shauna's baby. And maybe they think there's no way she survived the blizzard. But we clearly see at least two of Crystal's teammates fantasizing about eating her and two others are talking about how she's still missing. Why is this Misty's burden alone? Did no one on the team like Crystal? Did her association with Misty ruin her reputation with the rest of the team? Uh, you contrast that to the effort put into finding Javi and the fact that they know someone can survive the elements for more than a few nights. It's shocking that it takes a speech by Crystal's killer to jumpstart the rest of the team's concerns for their teammate. You're right. <sighs> yeah, I mean, they're teenagers and they didn't like Crystal and they don't like Misty. And mm-hmm. they probably <laughs> do think they probably do think she's dead in the blizzard. Um, And... How much effort did the group really spend on trying to find Javi? Yeah, it was all Travis. And how much it was Travis who was their designated forager mm-hmm. with Nat. How much of it was just his brother and he insisted on doing that every day? Fair. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see anybody see... like getting up and making him breakfast to say, go out there and find him. Guy. No, in fact, there was whispering of like, this is a waste of time. This is a crazy thing. You know, I don't know. But I did come back. And I mean, that has True. to give you some idea that somebody could survive out there. However, he survived. It's really still annoying me that tr- that Javi has not said a damn word yet. Like, tell us about your time out there. Where were you? How'd you survive? It's kind of like this big, I I don't know, this big thing hanging over the show right now that like, I I just hate when shows do this. I feel like it's because if he ever that the the cynical part of me is if he ever says more than three sentences, there's going to be a lot of game getting given up because uh-huh. unless he's going to play like I don't remember, which I don't think because he's already said enough that says he remembers a lot because mm-hmm. um, he's talking about dark tie and all that crap. He's drawing pictures. Um, I just feel like if if he tells about his experience, it'll give a lot of the game away. So I it would I, almost I'm, certainly I'm guessing. I'm guessing a late episode nine monologue mm-hmm. combined with him revealing his status of the the future status of Javi is how we're going to close out the season, because I think that would a big answer from Javi would give a lot of people another shot in the arm of we're not getting jerked around, you know. What if he just does the steel Magnolia speech again? <laughs> <laughs> I'd respect I'd respect the troll, honestly. <laughs> okay. But you know, like in season one, we got a lot of answers in terms of like, you know, who was blackmailing the yellow jackets. Um they 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 mm-hmm. put to bed a lot of interim storylines before they blew the lid open on, you know, Nat getting abducted by the mystery group with the symbol amulets and uh, all, all that stuff. So, and you know, they had the big Jackie death. I, I think they'll. I, I think we're going to get a big, big reveal out of Javi before the end of the season. I hope so. We need to hide this body. We'll be right back after this. We're just under a month to go until Badass Fest 6. Each year, we take the blockbuster month of July to celebrate the 80s and 90s action stars we grew up with. Big guns, big muscles, bigger explosions. If it's dumb, fun, and kicking ass, we love it. This year, we're inviting you to our hometown to watch a secret badass film with us. 
Afterwards, we'll record the podcast. Get your tickets and full event info at baldmove.com slash live. No hints about the movie, except we're pretty sure most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be a real crowd pleaser. Our neighborhood theater features a full bar, all your favorite snacks, and we'll be providing some custom movie-themed cocktails. It's happening Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the Queen City, Cincinnati. Get full details and tickets now at baldmove.com slash live. And hey, if you'll be in town on Saturday and have an appetite for outdoor adventure, join Aaron on an optional side quest as he guides a group of intrepid bald move kayakers down our national scenic river, the Little Miami. Once again, get full details on all main and side quests and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. The lady in the tree is watching you. Welcome back to more Yellow Jackets. Uh, Gordo says you touched on this in the recap. Is the wilderness hunting them or are they hunting each other? We're two full seasons in and I have no idea who the antagonist is. I know they need to string this out for several more seasons, but am I crazy to think that you should put a name or face to whatever the thing they encountered in 1997 is? Every single negative thing that they've shown us so far in both 2022 and 1997 are things or hallucinations they've done to themselves, others than hobby survival. Hmm. Hmm. It's like there's no supernatural explanation needed for all these events. It's just the girls being crazy in the woods because they're in a crazy situation. Hmm. That's what I would say. Let's take it. Let's see what the uh, professor of Hogwarts has to say. Jim, (laughs) what's your analysis? I think I think that's absolutely a line they're intentionally writing. And and your frustration with with that is exactly what they intend. I think they want you to be like, oh, I want to know if there's something supernatural here happening or if it's all just 
crazy girls being crazy. So I don't know. I think they're doing a good job with it. Uh, and if they put like a specific face to it, I don't, I don't think that would be as interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, this is the fun stage of a puzzle box show where it's like almost infinite possibilities. You know, they yeah, just showed yeah. a extra yellow jacket personification of the, of, of the antler queen. Does that mean that's the, you know, like people are, it's, it's the, the theory crafting is wild and free and crazy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time they give us as much as we want new information, every time they give us a piece of information, that puzzle box gets smaller or, you know, it opens up a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to, like I said, I got three, I got three puzzle boxes in the fire. We'll see which ones, uh, actually, you know, burn bright. I don't know where I'm at with this metaphor, but, uh, I'm I'm trying to be a little bit more relaxed about things this time around. Um, since our last puzzle box show, are the other two silo and Mrs. Davis or those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think Mrs. Davis is going to be an empty hat. But I got high hopes for Silo and Yellow Jackets. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Maggie says, I thought it was interesting that you said that Shauna wasn't the scariest Yellow Jacket from season one, episode one. Imagine you have to fight for your life for 19 months and then coming home to mundan- mundanities of life as a middle class suburban housewife and mom. We see her masturbating to her daughter's room. Uh, in her ro- daughter's room to pick up Callie and her boyfriend, cleaning shit stains from Jeff's boxers. Iron. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't remember I- that. Ironing clothes and watching Jeopardy, coming home from the grocery shopping, etc. The first time we see her eyes light up is killing the rabbit for dinner. I was immediately struck by the fact that she felt alive and killing something for sustenance. And when she gives into this urge, her teenage self comes raging back, having an affair with a younger man, getting someone to buy them alcohol, having sex in the woods in the car she once did with Jeff, culminating in teen Shauna coming through and killing Adam. Shauna's always been the traumatized and dangerous one. I mean, you make a you make a strong case there, Maggie. Maybe it's just that I've done nine out of ten of these things myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just don't see it. It's a different perspective, I guess. I mean, there was a lot of crazy in the crazy hat in the first season. Though. Oh, I mean, Misty like, is Misty, obviously on the face of it the most crazy. Like, she's easily the craziest. She's starting off fast from the blocks, you know. Yeah. Like, and that's real- coming, like... And, that, and that's dealing with shit that's clearly plaguing her. She's like ODing on stuff. She's coming right. out. Of, we meet her in rehab. Yeah. Right. Like th- there were a lot of reasons. Let's not act like there weren't reasons to think that the other girls had it a lot harder and were less well adjusted than she was. Yeah. Misty is an, in, an, an insanity sprinter and uh, Shauna is an insanity marathoner. Plus, when you look at the girl's backgrounds, that's that's the thing. Like Nat had a lot of reasons in her childhood to be fucked up. True. Whereas Shauna didn't really. She had a she had a pretty normal life, right? Until we found out that like she slept with her best friend's boyfriend, and like that was causing her a ton of guilt. There was no reason to suspect that her childhood was weird or would have caused trauma. She had some shit she has to deal with. Uh, moving on to Josh as Misty and Lottie are two people who found their calling in the woods, whereas everyone else to various degrees stayed lost, even though they're back in civilization. Are Misty and Lottie two sides of the same coin? Misty, the dark self and Lottie, at least trying to reach towards the light. Huh? I don't know that I agree with this dichotomy. Uh, 
Because, like, couldn't you say that a lot of the people found their calling in the woods? I mean, Ty is a very successful politician about to be a state senator. Um, and because she was pretty fucking driven before, like that doesn't seem like much of a change in her personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she found herself out there. Hmm. Maybe Misty and lot, but like, is, is that's the thing I guess is like, is Misty a fundamentally different person pre and post wilderness? She might not be fundamentally different, but the way she like interacts with herself I think is very different. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a fair categorization. These two characters sort of became in, in their eyes, something better than they were before out in the wilderness. Whereas I think all the other girls are like the wilderness really fucked us up. Right. I guess I am looking I, the thing that bothers me is I go back to the, like I said, about the duality, the the two sides of the same coin, because this show seems more about shades of gray and spectrums and multiple connections. Like, I don't think there'll be one antler queen. I think there'll be many antler queens. I don't think there'll be, um, you know, one priestess of the wilderness. I think there's going to be multiple competing like leadership strategies and uh, levels of belief in the wilderness and uh, um, you know po- kind of like almost political vying for power but also like man I do think about that first scene and clearly they did not really have an idea of how to connect everything to that they're like you know we got a loose idea but they didn't have I, I, don't, I don't think it's a mystery to say that they didn't have all those steps planned out I sometimes look at that and wonder like what does a show set in 1997 look like you know late once again like yeah, or once they start wearing skins and doing ah, okay. antler queen shit, like I just said the word political. What is a polit <laughs> what does a power struggle look like when they're all in their, you know, ascended divine female selves? <laughs> like when the moon princess requests the audience with the antler queen, what the fuck does that look like? How do they talk? Are they like in Shakespeare in the park? Yeah. Is it <laughs> uh they start speaking French like Lottie Le- Le- yeah, leads them in some kind of weird Canadian Creole that she whips up. I I don't know, <laughs> but it's like one of those things where it's like, is it filmable? You know, like it's so fucking insane and crazy. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? I don't know. We got to get there eventually. So yeah, we'll see it. We had a couple negative emails. Um, there's a there's this episode. I think the last couple episodes through people. I saw my first think piece um, at a big outlet saying, you know, what's wrong with season two of Yellow Jackets, which was a surprise to me because I've thoroughly enjoyed this season. But uh, just like Ted Lasso, there's some detractors. Uh, this is a representative sample. Uh, Steve from the Sweet Child of Time podcast. Do you want to sing Sweet Child of Mine with me? A couple bars, Jim. Uh, No. Can't can't no. hit that high note. I, I can't hit any notes that Axl Rose hits. <laughs> uh, I want to start by saying I'm a huge Yellow Jackets fan. I, too, do recap podcasts. And though I'm not recapping Yellow Jackets, I bring it up almost every week on my show. And I always recommend it to my co-hosts and listeners. There's a butt coming. There have been quite a few good goofy moments in the show. But the most recent episode is the first episode to be entirely goofy, almost front to back. The only noteworthy scene, in my opinion, is the revelation that Lottie has been imagining her therapy sessions. 
I enjoyed that, but the crew turning in their phones, being assigned to therapy tasks, the goofy goat misunderstanding, Natalie's entire demeanor change, Val not really being assigned anything, the crew getting openly drunk and rowdy in front of all the cult members, and of course the misty dream sequence. I bet it was fun to film. It was not fun to watch, and the setup leading up to it, the creepy-ish water scenes were not satisfactory at all. This is the first week I'm altogether disappointed in the Yellow Jackets. I really hope they get back on course with some sound writing and acting for the last few episodes of the season because this wild crap is completely off the mark. Hmm. Um, you know, the other thing is like, I feel like I because I because, I, you know, I've I've been in your spot, Steve. Sometimes I find myself hating something I used to love. And I like when people try to, you know, talk me back from the brink because the one thing I feel like people are taking into this is maybe some residual kind of like hatred for Lottie, because I feel like a lot of people that are putting this negativity into the episode are almost from the frame that Ty, Vanessa and Shauna in particular are being committed to this facility against their will and are like, nah, the entire time when in reality, this was all their idea. They mm-hmm. wanted to show up here. Jeff told the told Shauna to get the hell out and go be with your friends. Uh, Ty thinks she's on a mission from Dark Ty. Van is just there to bring and and she wants to rekindle things with Ty. So that it's not like they're just like looking for an excuse to get out of Lottie's crazy cult. You know, they sure. all, including Misty want to be there. The only puzzle is Nat, but I think they've done three or four weeks worth of a storytelling to show why she's had a sea change in her. Cause she was antagonistic about being there. So like a lot of these people are like, I don't understand these people flipping and like being on the, like they're not like most of the women that are there outside of Nat and Lottie think they're there to have a fun, breezy wine weekend with their girlfriends and catch up. And that's how it's kind of being presented. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and they're going along with Lottie's shit because they're her friends, but they clearly are doing a half ass and not really caring and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll I'll throw you a bone here, emailer, because I, I, I don't think this is a bad episode. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I will say it's not as good as some of the other episodes because there is a bit of suspension of disbelief, I think, in like, especially the Shauna stuff. Like, would she have a breakdown? I'm... I don't know. Maybe there's some disconnect here with me and the performance, but I'm not seeing that Shauna is on the verge of a breakdown over the last couple of episodes. I see that she's acting strangely and, and dangerously, but will that result in her, you know, realizing the, the, the entire story of her life and how tragic it is and how much she wants to change it. And then having this horrible breakdown in front of Lottie, it didn't feel quite right to me. It was on the edge of believability. So, so I'm with you on some of that stuff, but I don't know. I guess I, I would definitely also not say this was silly front to back. I think there was a lot of really good stuff in there. Yeah. And the other thing is like, because I man, this goes back to like the good old days of Breaking Bad. Like, do you know how gripped up people would get about an episode after something mind blowing happened? And we're like, mm-hmm. you guys understand that you can't have your minds blown every fucking episode. They need to set up 
the tension and the stakes for the next thing to work. We just had mm-hmm. the fucking bait like this was going to necessarily be a downbeat episode because they're dealing with the fallout from the crazy shit to happen. It's honestly kind of impressive that they did get the crazy uh, reveal of the antler queen and Lottie and kind of like the therapist. You know, that was a three week, three or four week reveal process reveal. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think people are getting a little gripped up and there's a lot of reasons for it. I think people are misinterpreting some things or maybe taking a little bit of their own because uh, that's another thing that fucks you on a puzzle box. If you get really invested in your version of reality, <laughs> the show can still be good, but you get annoyed that it's not doing the thing that you think it's going to do. Um, and I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Steve, as a as a as a podcaster, but just for everybody else, like I- I'm trying to describe all the ways I've seen people sabotage their enjoyment of something they love. Um, and I would but, say this show in general is not the most serious. You're not supposed to take it as seriously, I guess, as a lot of other puzzle box shows. It, this show has some latitude to have fun and just yeah. be silly. And that's not something you often see in a puzzle box. Usually it's deadly serious. Yeah. And there's um, this show has a lot of the DNA of shows that like I like and I used to cover with Cecily. Like this feels very much like a troop, <laughs> like early seasons, yeah, true yeah. blood, early seasons, penny dreadful, early seasons, American horror story where it's definitely good. And the writing's good and the acting's good, but it's a little bit more sensational. Maybe we misfiled uh-huh. this under uh-huh. prestige. Perhaps we'll see. We'll see. Um but uh, it, it it depends on how bed knobs and broomsticks it gets, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's in its DNA. So I, I guess I don't judge it on the same curve. I would judge like a true yeah. detective or something, right? Yeah. And I think that like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you, this late in the season, people are definitely going to stick out the season. So we'll just see. We'll just see what happens in the finale in two weeks. Um, And then, you know. I'm trying to think of how bad a show would have to piss me off to, or I'd be done in season two and I wouldn't at least try season three. But uh, I, then again, the early goings of season two or was it season three of Lost? Maybe it was season two of Lost. Fuck, pissed me off so bad and I started having PTSD from X-Files that I noped out of that whole show. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm literally the, cot, uh, the pot calling kettles black here. Uh, yeah, any other thoughts? I'm willing to give Yellow Jackets the space to be the show it wants to be and not try and judge it for the show that I think it should be or I necessarily want it to be. So that's where I am with Yellow Jackets. It's going to have its fun. I'm not going to take it overly serious and maybe I'll have some fun with it too. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, That's it for our feedback and that means it's it for the show today. Don't forget to check out Kelly's podcast with me breaking down burial, the antler Queens podcast.com. Uh, you can follow everything that bald move does at baldmove.com or on Twitter at bald move. Uh, if you like what we're doing here on yellow jackets and you'd like to get more premium content, ad free versions of our feeds uh, and tons of other stuff. For example, speaking of pulp, Fast and Furious 10 comes out tonight. We're going to watch it and give a full review, but only our club members get the spoiler part of that review. Everybody else just gets the first half. Uh, Another example of the many benefits of joining our club, support.baldmove.com. Check that out. And uh, we'll be with you next week to break down the next episode. Just two more. It's been ultimate episode. Mm -hmm. What? How many crazy things like do do you think they're going to save all the bombs for the finale or do you think they're going to evenly space the bombs? 
I hope they evenly space the bombs. I don't know. You get a lot more buzz coming out of the season if you just drop them all at the end of nine, right? Well, see, people were I, the the showrunners and cast have been saying the last three episodes in particular were quote unquote insane, and I think the hmm. j- vicious Shauna beating counts as insanity. And if that kicks okay. off, you know, the next episode has something equally crazy, and the next up, and you also had the yellow jack, the queen, the the, the antler queen reveal, mm-hmm. which might not be the antler queen, whatever. Uh, I, yeah, I got high hopes, but we'll see. We'll be back Monday to talk about that. Uh, until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.